Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. AM 970, The Answer presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information from the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. I'm getting closer to my Call now. 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. Hey, it's Stephen Gaines sitting in for Dottie Herman. Dottie is traveling, but don't go away. We've got a really terrific show for you this week. Dottie's co-host and friend, attorney Jerry Feeney, is with us. And Jerry's a Cracker Jack real estate attorney here to answer all your questions about legal matters, large and small, in the world of real estate. I encourage all of our listeners who are in a quandary about legal matters in real estate to take advantage of this moment and to call in for some smart advice by a really smart real estate attorney. Where Our phone number is 866-970-9622. Also, Esther Muller is with us. Esther Muller is uh, the uh, the owner, the president. Uh, what, what's your title of your real estate school, Esther? The housekeeper. The housekeeper of, yes. of the, 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 the world's best, the foremost, and a really great real estate school. What's the name of the real estate school, Esther? Academy for Continuing Education. And by the way, Jerry, are you there? I'm right here. I just want to say, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, because last week, Jerry, who teaches fair housing and human rights, spent with 160 agents, barracudas, wow. all loving you. And later <laughs> on, I hope. Yes, <laughs> and, and later Jerry on, was chum. You know, he was great. <laughs> no, no, he is. There's nobody who speaks and explains this subject nor performs better than Jerry Feeney. So. You know, I'm telling oh, you, you, Jerry, but it's so true. I'm telling you, you are absolutely the best. If I ever have a question, you know that I turn to you to ask you. Is, and this, you always... a, is this the swell Jerry's head show today? Or... <laughs> no, this is... It is because we know you're on an island with a million <laughs> friends waiting for you to go have some drinks, but you are devoting it yeah, to they're, us. They're all, going to swim with the, they're all going to swim with the pigs, whatever that means. <laughs> no, they're going to swim with the barracudas. <laughs> no, no. That, that, see, lawyers don't get attacked by sharks because of professional courtesy. But no, there's apparently there's some place here that you go and you know the pigs in the water and you swim with them. It's not the most appealing thing I've ever heard in my life. But uh, Are you that's kidding? what we're doing this afternoon. You think you could have gone yeah. to Reese yeah. Park? So, Joe, you have a great excuse. <laughs> Joe, you have a great excuse. You didn't have to do it. Come on. Yeah, I kind of want to. I'm sorry. I just didn't see what happened there. But well, I'll send pictures. 
Well, also, I just want to, before we go on, have a good time here. Ace What's on a Subparp is with us today. Ace is our uh, mortgage and finance expert, and uh, he's vice president of Citizens Bank. And if you want to get a loan or refinance or you need advice, and actually Joan from New Jersey is on the phone. We're going to get to her in a second. Uh, or you need advice about getting a home equity loan, now is the time to give Ace a call at 866-970-9622. Good morning, get, Stephen. Good, good morning, morning Ace. Hey, good morning, for being Ace. Here. <laughs> Ace, can I tell you a little bit about the company that you work for? Of course. They, uh, they are really, really terrific. They're sweet. They're caring. I've had dealings with them. It's really not dealing like with a regular bank who don't care about you. Citizens Bank is quite amazing. It's the nation's oldest and largest financial institution. It has $152 billion in assets. It's headquartered in Providence, Rhode Island, and they offer a broad range of retail, commercial banking products and services. They offer them to individuals, small businesses, middle market companies, large corporations, institutions. Citizens helps us customers to reach their potential by listening to them and by understanding their needs and to offer tailored advice and solutions. So um, call or visit a branch. Uh, uh, they have incredible online banking. I know because I bank with them. 24-7 customer contact center with people who are really intelligent and know what they're talking about. And there are over 3,000 ATMs and approximately 1,500 branches in 11 states. So that's Citizens Bank. We thank them for supporting this show very, very much. Um, and Ace, it's always good to have you here. I'm going to do, uh, in honor of Dottie Herman on this day, which Dottie loves to do, and just this day in 1938, DuPont began commercial production of a nylon toothbrush called the Miracle Tough Toothbrush. Now, did you know that before that, what did people brush their teeth with? Horse their fingers. Hair. A hairbrush. Their fingers. <laughs> their fingers. Really? No, that couldn't be. 1938, the first nylon toothbrush was introduced on this day. Um, oh, Jerry, this is perfect for you. In 1979, in Stamford, Texas, at a, at a, a, a town fair, the highest, yeah. price, the highest price ever paid for a pig was $42,500. A <laughs> so, pig, wow. A pig, quite a pig. Isn't that a coincidence? Yeah. I wow. guess it was a breeding yeah. pig. 1995. <laughs> yeah, you know, Go ahead. By the way, the uh, the toothbrush was actually invented in Albany. Did you know that, the toothbrush? Mm-mm. Yeah, if it was oh, invented anywhere else, it would have been called the teeth brush, but in Albany it was the toothbrush. <laughs> they only have one tooth up there. But anyway... Um, do you know who? Did you get do, that or do you know whose tooth it was? It was? No. Okay. <laughs> well, they found Washington's hair today, so maybe they did. They found a lock of Washington's hair in a I book. Know, I can't believe that. I know. Do you believe that? How did they know it was his? It was sealed in an envelope, and it was dated, and it said uh, the book that they found it in was an ancient book from those times, and I forget what it was. But uh, they somehow was in the the Times of the World. So can I just take a moment if you're going to talk about hair? Because I had an argument with my husband this morning. He says that Trump was pointing to his real hair as a cover-up for the bald spot and not a wig. Does anybody know the answer to this? I saw him do it. No, he was. Yeah, it's real Real? hair. It's not a wig. He was pointing. There was a wind came and blew all the hair up about two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a video that went viral, and he's like completely bald under that. But thing. you know, women have extensions, and I think they glued an extension 
Stop arguing with your husband. He's a very nice guy. <laughs> and, you know, uh, this no, was the Jerry, argument. <laughs> Jerry, this was, no, he said, no, it's his real hair. And I, I said he's it's an extension. Really? All right. <laughs> All right. So I just Poor want to solve it before I go home. <laughs> um, so in any event, just one other thing. In 1995, on this day, the Dow Jones hit the, a record, which was uh, 4,011. Can you imagine? Yeah. That was a record in yeah. 1995, not that long ago. Boy, that's gone up a lot in that time. And poor Steve Jobs, who founded Apple and was born in 1955, uh, passed away on this day uh, in 2011 at only age 56. we got a lot of stuff on the show for you um, later. I don't know about you, but I find most of those TV shows about buying houses and renovations very misleading and aggravating. There are rules that I hear, hear about on those real estate uh, shows on TV that simply aren't true. So later in the show, we're going to run down some quote-unquote rules of real estate that people sometimes repeat all the time and that just aren't true. And a lot of other things, weird lobby rules in New York City's fanciest apartments. Do you really want to buy a house or you're just fooling around? Uh, should you ever take a first offer? There are times, by the way, when you should accept a first offer. I'll tell you when. And also, what do you do when one day your neighbor puts up a for sale sign? This is really important to me because my neighbor across the street has had a for sale sign up for two years. And I don't think that's helping property values. But the meanwhile, we're going to take a phone call from Joan in New Jersey. Hi, Joan. Yes, hi. How are you this morning? Um, you know, I'm calling. I wondered, I have called before, but nobody ever got back to me. Supposedly, Ace was going to call me. I'm calling regarding a, a vacation home that I have uh, at the beach. It's worth between nine hundred thousand and a million dollars, and what, what the beach, equity Joan? line of what beach, pardon? Joan? What beach, Joan? Oh, uh, Long it's, Beach it's, Island, New Jersey. Long Beach Island, New Jersey. Yeah. go ahead, mm -hmm. please. And um, we have an equity line of credit that has come due. It's about one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. Now, at one point, I thought I heard Dottie say. Uh, would be good to refinance. Is that the way to go? Or uh, I own it with my brother and uh, we're both retired. Now, now what do you suggest? Now, Joan, this is Ace. Um, do you have a first mortgage including with the home equity or just the home no, equity? No, nothing other than the equity line. And what is your rate on the home equity today? Oh, it's very low. It's about three something. We, t we got one of those interest only ones. Some years back, but Got won't it. it jump now? The ace doesn't it jump when it, the, the ten years is over? Yes, it is variable. So if you wanted to refinance into a more conservative rate where it's fixed, um, you can do that, Joan. So um, if you want, just give me a call. Um, I'll give you my number okay. here, and then um, okay. I can help you first thing Monday morning. Oh, that would be wonderful. What's so your ace, number? What? I'm sorry. Give your number, then I have some questions to ask you about yeah. this. It's a nine one seven eight five nine six four three nine. Could you say it again? Nine one seven eight eight five nine. What did you say? Eight five nine six four three nine. Six four six four three nine. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So, Ace, if you okay. only have if you only have a home equity loan against your house, um, why not just get a first mortgage? I mean, what would you do? I mean, how do you handle it? You turn that home equity loan, you borrow, you add it to what would be a first mortgage? So we would What's actually, yeah, definitely, Stephen. That's a great question. So we would pay off the home equity, home equity by refinancing it into a first mortgage. 
and then we would either refinance it to a 30-year fixed rate or 15-year fixed rate, whichever um, product that Joan will feel more comfortable in, and it'll just be converted from a home equity line of credit where it's variable into a fixed rate mortgage. So, uh, and, and what about getting money out? That makes it harder to refinance, doesn't it? If you want to take money out, banks don't like to give you money out. Is that so? So that's called a ca- cash out refinance. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, it, it's all dependent upon your income comparable to the loan amount that you're taking out and also how much um, your value of the property is compared to how much you're taking out. Most of the times, people like to cash out, I guess, at, at the highest level. And um, depending on that loan-to-value, which is your loan amount comparable to the value of the home, usually if you're taking cash out, it's right around 60% of your um, home-to-value, right? So if your property is worth a million, most of the times banks will be comfortable with giving you cash out all the way up to 600000 but only 60% of that, um, I guess, value of the home, so... And so a lot of boomers, um, and Joan said that she owned this with her brother, and so a lot of boomers are really looking to do that because, uh, as uh, we talk on the show all the time, uh, a lot of people have enormous amounts of equity in their home, which they kind of can't get at, and especially boomers who are getting up there in years and would love to not have to sell their home but to dip into their equity, and that's where that's important, right? They are, Stephen, because a lot of times um, baby boomers are hesitant to sell their homes because you know they don't they can't find something that they like, right? Or inventory is very very tight right now. So what they're doing is they're taking a home equity line of credits and maybe using it to fix up their home or things of that nature. So it is a very, very common, um, I guess, product that they're using today. So I think, you know, I think that's something that we discussed before on the show, which is that uh, it, selling your house is one thing, but where are you going to move once you sell the house? I mean, if you sell the house and pay off the mortgage, you're left with X amount of dollars, and then it's very, very hard to find something else to move into for that amount of money. So you price yourself out of the market. And that's also another reason why there are so few houses on the market now, and the market is so tight. You know, people are dying to buy, but there aren't enough houses there to buy. And one reason why people aren't selling their houses, they either have a low rate, a low fixed rate, they don't want to lose that low fixed rate, or they don't know where they're going to move to. So it's a big national issue, by the way. It's not just happening here in in the Northeast. Can I ask on refinancing also? Ace, it's Esther. Hi. Hi. First of all, thank you very much. A few weeks ago, you came to the school, and you were amazing uh, as as Jerry was. So I I have a question, and it could be great for... Um, well, privately, I'll tell you, Jerry. We'll talk about it later. It has to do with Ace's clothes. No, no, it has to do with my next. It has to do with my next question, actually. So, so here's here's something that might apply to some of our listeners. Some of our listeners, I'm sure, are in a situation where they uh, they might be living in a co-op building, and uh, the building itself is looking to refinance. This is happening right now at my building. And you know, Ace, I reached out to you, uh, to Ron Reamer, and he's going to be uh, trying to get the refinancing done there. So my question to you is, how do you feel about refinancing buildings themselves? In other words, many of us live in these buildings, and the interest rate is so high mm-hmm. that does it pay to pay the points of whatever the fee would be to take on a brand new 
refinance for the building itself. Who does that? As to the owners of the building? Yeah, the owners of the buildings would do that. In other words, if if you have a uh, $5 million mortgage on the building and you're paying 6% or 5 and 3 quarter, uh, you right now can probably get refinanced at 4 and a half, four and a quarter. But will that be passed down from the owner of the building to? Well, the- that's my question to Ace. Is are you? Do you? Does your bank, the Citizens Bank, deal with the fi- refinance of the buildings? Yes. Yeah, so we will look at the buildings' financials, and um, a lot of times people will call me and, and ask me to refinance the underlying mortgage. Right. So for our listeners, underlying mortgage it's actually a commercial mortgage on the building itself, not the individual units. So in your case. Esther, um, we would look into refinancing. Um, if, you, if you're telling me that it's six percent now on the building, we will try to look. It's five. For, and, yeah, it's five and three quarters. Five and three quarters. So, right now the rate it's right around four and a half percent. Now, depending on if if that's going to be flow flow, I guess flow through into the residents, that's up to the management um, company. But yes, we will we will look into refinancing um, the rate from five and a quarter down, you know, to right around four and a half percent. Most of these co-op buildings have huge uh, prepayment penalties on the commercial mortgages, which is why you see them with higher rates that haven't refinanced because it doesn't make economic sense. So we would have to take a look at the paperwork first, Esther, to see if there's there's any prepayment penalty, to Jerry's point. But if there's not, then we'll go ahead and do it. But if there is, sometimes it's not worth it. For, for the building to refinance. So just so you know, Ace, there's less than a year left on that mortgage. Got it. So, you know. There's probably not a prepayment not, like penalty to... if you're within the year then. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. okay. Only a well, year left on that mortgage. Yeah. So, so I left word for your people over there, and I expect next week we'll have an answer. No problem. Have your people call Esther's yes. Exactly. Yes, have your people yes, call my people. Yes. <laughs> we're, exactly. at, we're at 866 970 Nine six two two. That's eight six six nine seven zero nine six two two. And Esther has a question for Jerry. Do you mind asking Jerry this question? Should I now? ask him now? Yeah, please. Jerry, are you up to it? I know it's Saturday morning, and you had a lot of juice. I'm this right morning. here. I'm hanging on every word. Esther, go ahead. Yeah, hang. <laughs> okay, so uh, two three weeks ago, Dottie Herman, our fabulous lady, was in the class of our continuing education. Uh, as everyone might know. Uh, Every two years, every real estate agent must uh, spend 22 and a half hours continuing their education. And Dottie Herman was one of the uh, keynote speakers, just as um, uh, Jerry is. And the question came up regarding, if you know a homeless shelter is coming to your neighborhood, and we were specific about 58th Street, there's a new shelter coming up, um, and it's right next door to the 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollar apartments on 57th Street and 58th Street and Central Park South. And the question all the agents um, wanted to know was, if you're looking for an apartment in a neighborhood where right next door there's going to be a homeless shelter, should you tell your customer or your client when they're looking to buy, that there's going to be a homeless shelter here with 150 single men. This comes under the disclosure rules, right? Well, that's what I want to ask you because because Dottie Herman well, promised us all that she was going to talk to yeah. you about it. So I know she's I don't on vacation. Know that. I, don't know that. I don't know that there is 
an obligation. The, the general obligation is that you have to dis- you have an affirmative obligation to disclose what we call latent defects. Latent defects. The classic one is that the basement floods when it rains. It's not readily observable when it doesn't rain. Therefore, it's latent, and the courts say you have to disclose such things to potential buyers. I doubt very much that any court would uh, consider a shelter for uh, for homeless individuals. Uh, as a latent defect, and therefore I don't think one would have an obligation to disclose in the absence, you know, of, of any contractual provision. Now, practically, should you disclose it? I probably would tell people to to do so. I think I would want to know all of the facts uh, behind it. Um, I have heard myself that there's going to be a shelter on 58th Street. I don't know if that's a fact. Correct. I think it's a rather... We're, we're going to have to... Yeah, yeah. Jerry, we're going to have uh, to take a break, side. but I'd love it. I want you to continue this when we come back about what happens when the neighborhood changes. What do you have to say? It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Hey, it's Stephen Gaines sitting in for Dottie, who's away on vacation. Our phone call is please hang on the line, 866-970-9622. Harry and Therese will be right with you. Jerry, latent defects, you just talked about. A latent defect has to do with the house that you are selling. But a latent defect is doesn't mean what's going to happen down the block. Is that correct? No, probably not, yeah. What we're talking about is whether or not. Uh, a broker should disclose to a potential buyer the fact that there's a homeless shelter that's going to be built down the street. And the law says that you have to disclose things that are latent defects. This, I don't think, would be considered a latent defect. But I do think that I would advise a broker to disclose it in any event because I do think it's something that would have an impact on the desirability of the uh, desirability and the marketability. I would want to get all the facts first. That's exactly what's coming. I've heard this rumor. Uh, I call it a rumor because I don't know that it's a fact of this homeless shelter that's supposedly coming on 58th Street right in the middle of all the yeah, I, apartments. I happen to think it's a, a silly idea because I, I happen to be vacationing here with a person who runs a shelter in New York, and I was talking to her about it, and she agrees. Here's why it's a silly idea, because if you can do 100 beds at 58th Street, you could do 1,000 beds 10 miles away in Queens. And I, I am in favor of housing as many homeless people as possible with your dollar. So why would you put it in prime, prime real estate? It's not to say, you know, it's not the, you know, NIMBY, not my backyard syndrome, but rather uh, getting the most efficient use of your dollar. Jerry, I love you because you're so right. $60 million is the agreement to a managing company that right now only does industrial management of apartments and to take 150 men, single men, and That's all you're going to get for that? 60 million. That's ridiculous. Yes. That's ridiculous. Can you, thank you. Can you believe this? I went to this town hall meeting with, with, uh, with uh, some politicians and I looked at them and I went, first of all, it's way above any market price that you would pay Per right. square foot, what are you doing? What are you right. doing putting them into an, an environment that only is going to enrage them when they have to pay $10 for a cup of coffee? And what are you doing with my tax dollars that I work for 
to pay out $60 million? I would much rather have 10 people with my social service dollar than one. And moreover, if you ask the clients, the people who are being served in those areas, if you said to them, uh, you know, if there's a choice between being in a lower-priced area and housing more people or being in a higher-priced area and housing fewer, I'm sure they have the common sense to say, let's, let's house as many people as possible. That's what it's about. So, you know, I've heard about this this project also. I think it's ridiculous. This is like a real, this is really sounds happening. To me, sounds to me almost punitive. Why is the mayor chosen to put it right there? That because de Blasio thinks that if you ghettoize all the homeless people and put them all in Queens or somewhere, it's unfair or something. Who knows? But it's, this is what de Blasio is doing, actually. Yeah. Yeah, not, this, is not, this is not ghettoizing. He needs to talk to people who run homeless shelters, like the person that I'm vacationing with here, who's all about serving as many clients as possible who need help. And these people do need help, but I'm not against it. I'm just saying, why on earth would you put them in the highest-priced neighborhood in New York, a neighborhood that I can't afford to live in either, when you can only house 100 of them, when if you go a few miles away, not to a ghetto, we're not talking about a ghetto, we don't have ghettos in New York City, uh, rather a a lower-priced neighborhood where you could serve a 1,000 families, what are you going to do with the 900 families that you can't serve by putting it at 57th Street? What are you doing with them? Are you going to put them in Gracie Mansion? That's what they should do with them, okay? So, oh, Joey, 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 no, Joey I need you. I need you because I live in that neighborhood, by the way, and I am involved in the coalition. It's called 58th Street Coalition, and I would like you to talk to your friend who's on the island with you, and right, I would love right. to be able to really. It's a major issue, no, 90 not, locations. not speaking to me at the moment because I'm on the radio and they're mad at me, but anyway. Oh, um, all right. Harry, no, I've heard about it needs this. It's, about it's this. major. I think it's I think it's ridiculous. I really do. Oh, I think it's ridiculous. I'm glad to hear your point of view. And we're gonna, I, am, we're gonna... I am absolutely an advocate for the homeless. And as, uh, as are all of us, we all want to right. help people who are in need. But, but right. don't do it in a stupid way that's right. only going to serve a small fraction. Uh, you know, it, it's like saying, let's, you know, let's serve them meals from, from Ducasse every night. Well, <laughs> you know, we could do a thousand more people if we didn't choose the most expensive restaurant in New York either. It's totally. about numbers. It's about getting the most service for the most people. Jerry, I'm behind you. I, <clears throat> I want you as part of the committee for this. You're right. Okay. Harry. I would, in, I would be happy to. Yeah. Harry in New York City, urban development versus rural. Harry, you're on the air. Yes, I'm on the air. <laughs> so I have a question for all of you, uh, and I'm going to change the subject a little bit. It has more to do with development. Uh, and there's uh, so much opportunity for development in rural areas outside of that, uh, in, the, in the Hudson Valley, as an example. You know, why are developers so set on urban development when land is cheaper and profitability is is rather high in the suburbs? That's my first question. And my second question has to do with the, the fourth largest airport in New York City, Stewart Airport, where there's been, been uh, some real... Uh, important improvements to the to the airport. How is that going to impact the values north of Manhattan? Let's take it one question at a time, Harry. The first is: Would you would you say that question again? Yeah, I, I what, got it. What, I got it. Too. Let me. You let got me, it, Jerry. Let me, let me, please, let me, let me, please go let me ahead. Summarize it. So, first of all, uh, last time I checked, Stewart Airport was not in New York City; it was in Newburgh. But I share your uh, um, belief that that the improvements to Stewart. If you haven't flown in and out of Stewart, it's like it's like a pleasure. Um, you drive up to the gate. You uh, basically there's no traffic, there's no congestion, there's nothing like when you're dealing uh, 
with JFK or, or LaGuardia nonsense. Um, and, but it, it's in Newburgh. It's just about an hour above New York City, I suppose. Um, and I think that's going to help that area tremendously. I'm, I've been very bullish on Newburgh for a long time. I think Newburgh is about to experience a renaissance. Um, that's my personal opinion. Um, and as far as the you know the suburbs development goes, I mean I have a home in the Hudson Valley. Uh, you know the the reality is that there's lots of land available up there, but the problem is developers are all about money, and, and you know they're not going to spend lots of money developing homes if they're not going to get top dollar for the homes. The fact of the matter is, you make a lot more money developing in urban areas generally than you do in, in suburban areas. But there's plenty of development going on there. But it's simply a matter of economics. You know, there's lots of land available uh, in upstate that's undeveloped that, uh, you know, they just can't they can't get the prime price for. Harry, is that uh, does that uh, answer your question, Harry? Uh, it's, it is kind of the question uh, or kind of the answer to the question. Uh, I know that the Stewart Airport, by the way, is, is in Newburgh, but uh, it is considered a New York area. Um, uh, airport. Right. Uh, the other airports are getting so congested that uh, we need another one, and it seems like Stewart might be the most logical one to put the money. In, I agree. Into to yeah, to, to improve, which they're 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 doing. Uh, there is a lot of land that I know about that's for sale up in the Hudson Valley, but there's very little property that's fully entitled and shovel ready with all the approvals especially on the Hudson River. Why, do you have that type of property, Harry? I do. Uh, okay, I so do. tell me about the property. Do you have infrastructure that, you know, we have, the people? Uh, uh, we have the largest uh, piece of property on the Hudson River between Poughkeepsie and New York. It's directly across the river from Poughkeepsie. It's 437 acres, and we've just gone through a two-year uh, I'm sorry, an eight-year process of getting SECRA uh, approvals, which is the State Environmental Quality Review Act. Harry, I hate to interrupt you. Uh, this is Esther. I just want to make sure we get that information sent to us. Would you send us some of those information so we can take a look at it in another? Because we got a whole bunch of people waiting with phone calls. And then we Absolutely. can uh, kind of channel in because I think it's a great question and a great area you for us to further you can investigate. Send it to radio show at element.com. Radio show at element.com. Thanks for the good question, Harry. Appreciate it. Therese in Queens, do you have a question about property tax? Yes. Um, in January, we receive our notice of property value. This year, it increased dramatically. Um, and it is not a fair market value. How should I try to remedy this? And is it worth it? Some people say don't bother when it's a city. And how do you find <laughs> comp uh, comp uh, sales of recent uh, months? Now, great question, Therese. We're about to go for a break, so... Um, I don't know if we want to start answering this question now. I have a question for you. You live in a private home? One family home? Yes, one, one family, family home, private home. If you can hold on the other side of this break, we'll answer your question. Thank okay? you. I and will. And Pam, and, Pam and, and Michael and everybody else who's holding on, please hold on. We'll be right back to you after this break.
It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Hey, it's Stephen Gaines sitting in for Dottie Herman, but uh, Dottie's co-host, Jerry Feeney, attorney Jerry Feeney, is with us. So is Ace Watana Suparp, who's the vice president of uh, Citizens Bank and knows everything there is about getting mortgages, as well as the lovely Esther Muller. And Queen Esther Muller, the queen of Purim, okay, (laughs) who knows everything there is to know about real estate and teaches real estate. And we're on the phone with Therese from Queens, who's just had a huge property tax rise. Therese, could you explain that to us better? Yes. um, The notice of property value uh, is listed at close to $1.6 However, three years ago, a certified appraiser for estate purposes appraised the house at 925000 While the area I live in is a good area, my house is not in good shape. So I would never think that that would be fair estimated market value. What do you do? Can you so, fight this? So... So, first of all, the notice of property value, don't get that mixed up with market value as determined by a, an appraiser. Two different things. When you're talking about the area of real estate taxation, you it gets very confusing because they use things like taxable value, and uh, but they're not really talking about marketable values. Let me ask you this. Last year, your notice of property value, how much did it go up year over year from this year over last year? I think uh, over 300000 that top number, I think they call it market value. It's no, I want to, I want to know that I want to know the notice of property value. You said this year it was one point four. What was it last year? Last year it was one point um, three, I think, or one point two something. This year, pardon me, one point five six, close to one point six. So what else <clears throat> about? Two hundred thousand on the notice of property. Oh, actually, I think when I did the math, it was over three hundred thousand. I don't have it in front of me, so I don't have exactly. Well, that that's definitely a big jump. I would definitely challenge that if I were you. So there's a whole there's a whole uh, group of a practice area within the law called tax certiorari lawyers or tax cert lawyers for short, who do just this, who challenge. Uh, taxation uh, assessments. The city of New York is required by law to reassess all property every year. It's a legal requirement by the legislature. And they make mistakes. There's no question about it. I'm not saying they have made a mistake or haven't made a mistake, but it sounds like yours jumped a lot. By the way, your actual tax will be limited in how much it goes up each year, but you don't have an excessive uh, property value sitting out there that that's incorrect. So I would call a tax tertiary lawyer. I don't do it, so I can't help you. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you Google it, uh, or if you email us at radio show at Ellen, I can send you a name of somebody that I know that does it, um, and have them take a look at it and see if they can challenge it for you. Most commercial buildings in New York do it as a matter of course. Um, many individual property owners also do it. Sounds like yours is is big enough and valuable enough that it may be. Uh, maybe worthwhile. They usually take a uh, percentage. They take a commission on how much they get it reduced. So it usually doesn't cost you anything if they don't win. So mm-hmm. give that a try. Yeah. Um, one final... attorney. Go ahead, Teresa. Yes. One uh, final question. 
if I attempted to do this myself, and I know that one thing you have to do is to prove recent comp sales. I'm not sure if I'm saying it correctly. How, as I, as a layperson, find out what the recent comp sales are? Teresa, let me ask you a question. If you needed an appendectomy, would you try to do that yourself, too? Why would you only, do it yourself, only, Teresa? <laughs> only if I was a surgeon in, in Antarctica. No, exactly, exactly. So do me a favor. This is a very complicated area of the law. Mm-hmm. They only charge if they win, I believe. Mm-hmm. Talk to them about their fee structure. I wouldn't even think of attempting it myself, and I'm an attorney for 25 years. I wouldn't even attempt it. It's so complicated what they do, and they're so good at it, mm-hmm. and it's not that expensive. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you can do anything yourself. You can do an appendectomy yourself or a root canal yourself. I like to use professionals who know what they're doing. And, yes, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I was teasing you when I said that, but I'm only half, half kidding. You know, you want to use – an expert. Uh, I suppose you could do it yourself, and if you, uh, you sound like a very smart woman, and maybe you'll be successful. The problem is, it's not always about being smart. It's about having the experience and knowing the nuances and knowing the procedure. And by the time you learn all that, you know you'll be 135 years old and and, and I'm getting there. Path, so I, I, I'd, okay. go, I'd go hire an expert if I were okay. you, my dear. Thank okay. you, and thank and, you, uh, Gold star for Gracie Mansion Homeless Shelter. Well, yeah, I know. The mayor's going to double my property values, I'm sure, for saying that. But, you know, I, and i got to tell you, I don't want people to misunderstand me. I'm, I I really am a big advocate for the homeless. I really uh, do try to help, and I really believe that we need to provide services for people. But I just think it's absolutely ridiculous when I hear plans like putting it in the middle of uh, the most expensive neighborhood in New York City. It's just absurd, in my opinion. Thank you, Teresa. Thank Pam, you. You're welcome. Thank you. Pam, you've been holding on a while, and you want to invest in an Upper East Side apartment. Is that right? Correct. I currently, my parents own it. They're baby boomers. And they're in New York most of the year, and then they go to Florida the other four months of the year. And I don't know if, they sh- if I should invest in this property on the Upper East Side. It's on First, near the Second Avenue subway. For them, you mean? Yeah. I don't understand what your parents are doing. So you should invest in this as a place for them to live. Actually, they should live six months in Florida and get the tax deduction. But that's that's another point. So I'm not sure, Pam. Are you talking about you you yourself buying another apartment on the Upper East Side? Are you talking about your parents? Oh, so your parents would buy it. Your parents would buy it. Oh, your parents would buy, in other words, buy another apartment on the Upper East Side for you to rent rent out or for you to live in it? Yes. So I would pay rent. Oh, you would pay. Oh, okay. Well, instead of paying $2,000 a month, which might be a studio, or Mm $1,500 to $2,000, I think it's a smart thing to do to buy a studio on the Upper East Side, especially now that I think per square foot the prices are lower. And Ace, are you there? I'm here, Esther. Are you getting? Are you getting? Yeah, are you getting many people, especially the young millennials? You sound like a millennial, Pam. 
Yeah, I try. Uh, yeah, I'll go for it. I'll parents, take it. Oh, you try to be one. Um, <laughs> whose parents might be buying it for the children instead of them paying rent. Are you getting those kind of clients? Because I would certainly recommend that it's a great idea. Oh, every single day, Esther. I think, Pam, you know, the Upper East Side is changing dramatically, right? So I think the mm-hmm. stigma, I, I guess, in the past of Upper East Side is that there were you know, it was older buildings and, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't as robust as Tribeca or as chic as, you know, Madison Square West. But I think Upper East Side, there's a regentrification, right? There's great deals up there. And I think, you know, in terms of price point, there's a lot of younger folks moving um, towards the Upper East Side and there's restaurants being built now. So if you're looking to invest, um, I would definitely consider investing in Upper East Side. You're going to get a great deal. And I think appreciation values will be tremendous in the future. So, and the Second Avenue Subway, Second Avenue Subway. has exactly. made a huge difference. That's a huge difference. I know it is life changing. Sure. <laughs> yep. It has go. made a big so, difference. Pam, I wouldn't hesitate. Mm-hmm. You know, an investment in real estate is almost always a really good thing. And the Upper East Side of Manhattan, it's Manhattan. You know, so right. you can't go wrong. You're getting you great deals out there too, Stephen. So, you know. Yep, I know. Absolutely. I mean, I did attend the academy, and there are a lot of people talking about, you know, working in different areas and learning the real estate market, you know. And I was in Florida, for example, as- so I did look at properties. And, Which you know, $300,000. Which academy, Pam? So it's um, Esther's Academy. She did a there you go. Uh, symposium. Oh, wow. wow, look at that. An educated listener. It was excellent. I am educated. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Thank you, Pam. You get an Thank A you, plus. Pam. A plus Thanks. next time you come. I got my 22 and a half hours, so I'm good. Good. Well, Great. invest in that Upper East Side apartment. Call us and tell us what happens, okay? And, and good luck Thank to your mom you. and dad. Yeah. We're at 866-970-9622. And Michael's on the line. How are you today, Michael? Well, Hi there, it's Michelle. Actually, how are you doing? Oh, see, it just says it just says M I C H here, so I took a good guess. Okay, no What's problem. What's up, how Michelle? You guys doing? Good to Thank- see you. We're we're great. How are you? Thank you so much. Very well. I'm so happy that there is a source for this information. I hope you guys can help me. So we have uh, an apartment, a condo on the Upper West Side. Been trying to sell it for the past few months on our own. Uh, didn't work well so far. We had uh, every open house. We had a lot of agents coming in trying to get us to sell it for them. We chose to try it for a while on our own. And at this point, um, my question, I guess, to Esther and anyone who can contribute anything to this, I'm trying to figure out how to pick up the right broker. Does it matter which company they're with? What shall I look for? Uh, really will appreciate some help and guidance. That's a great question. Yeah, I, first, I think I'm a great person to ask this question. <laughs> I, I agree. I think all of us can tell you that uh, selling an apartment by yourself to try to save the commission is the wrong thing to do. It's just the wrong thing to do. And to go back to what Jerry said, would you try to remove your own appendix? This is not a simple thing. It's not a simple thing to sell an apartment, to have the marketing reach, to know how to do it. It's a very, very complicated issue, and it's it's almost always a bad thing to sell by yourself. Now I'm going to turn it over to Tester and Jerry. Yeah. So, uh, so um, 
No, absolutely. And just so you know, statistically, 97% of, uh, of apartments in New York and all over the country actually are sold through brokers because especially in New York, especially you've got, are you in a building? You're talking about a co-op yeah. or a condo building? No, no, it's yeah, a condo so, building, yeah. Yeah, so there are a lot of information that one needs. So take a look to see who is maybe the broker in your neighborhood uh, that has been selling apartments of your type and uh, who they are. Uh, get to meet them, interview them, see what rapport you have, ask them what they've done. Are they part of a team, a, a lone ranger? Uh, how long they've been in the business, what they think of the apartment, how much information have they given you about this apartment, what research have they done, how do you feel about what they know about the apartment that they're looking at, which is your apartment. And then uh -huh. you'll be able to, to look for the person that I think is the expert on knowledge and Michelle, information. Michelle, I have two words for you, Douglas <laughs> Element. Douglas Element, that, that, they have all the information. They have amazing, amazing research and information. It is a really, really great company. And there will be a broker at Douglas Elliman who knows your building mm -hmm. and who knows your neighborhood. And that is really, really key. So if I was you, I would call somebody in Douglas Elliman. Jerry, did I interrupt you? No, not at all. No, not at all. I was just going to echo that. You know, Elliman has a lot of uh, what they call building specialists, too, that are uh, really focused on that particular building. So, you know, if you email radioshow at element.com, Dottie can have one of them get back to you. Yeah, so well, give just, me for, just... for one second. Um, my concern is if I go with a super large company that maybe I'm not going to get, my apartment is not going to get the same attention as if I would, if I'd go with maybe somebody smaller who does not have like 100 listings. Um, this you is, know, in every this company, really... yeah, go ahead, Jerry. Look, that's always uh, a valid concern. It's, I think, less a function of the company than it is a function of the individual agent. If you are the type of person that likes very um, uh, a lot of attention on your particular uh, apartment, then perhaps you choose somebody who's up and coming but maybe has uh, less of an inventory. The flip side of that is agents with large inventories are moving lots of properties. So it's always a give and take. It's like going to a doctor who's busy. Well, they're busy because they're very good at what they do. Um, so, you know, some people choose to go to a doctor who's maybe less busy and less experienced and can spend a little bit more time with you. It's, it's, a, it's a personal choice, and that's something that you could address to the agent. But it's less a function, I think, of the company than the agent in that case. Interview as many of the agents as you can. Then you'll get a sense of, you know, who's the right agent for you. And within Douglas Elliman, I think there are, what, 6,000 agents or yes. something well, like that? Yeah, you'll sure. find the right one. But, yeah, you'll find the right one. I would really uh, interview the agents. Don't worry about the company being so big. The information, power, and services really, really help. You know, it's one-stop shopping in a place like Douglas Elliman. You just find the right agent to work with you, and then your problems will, will be solved. Don't try to sell it yourself. Thank you. No, for I treated that mission. already. Thank you so Guess much. What? You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We're at 866-970-9622, except we're going to break for the news at 11. So don't go away. We'll be here when you get back.
Ion Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A.